Father, it is time, it is time, it is time for your word to come forth. Father, we lift up and we give over your man of God right now. We ask right now, your anointing upon Minister Hardaway, that you will use him, that you will fill your spirit from his toes to the crown of his head, and that your word will come rushing forth. We thank you, Father, for his willingness to be used by you. So use him, Father. So he's all used up to your goal in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Now we can do better than that. We can do better than that. We can do better. One more time. One more time. We can do better than that. Wake up this morning, take a breath this morning. Yes. And what your breath? That's his breath. Is there? Paul went on to tell the people in Athens that it is within him that we live, move, and exist. So he's everywhere. And there's nowhere that God can't reach. There's nowhere that God isn't. He's so immense. He's close to you as the air you breathe. And in fact, we talk about that air right now. And we just want to thank him today for getting us here today. Thanking you for another day, another time to be able to open up our mouths and give him thanksgiving today. Another opportunity to worship him today and to do his will. Because my mother found telling now in Project One, many did not wake up this morning with the opportunity to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Just wanna talk about a couple of things today before we get into the message. Just wanna talk about renewal. Renew things, new things. And, um, God's word that he's going to make all things new new heavens and a new earth but before he does that he has to renew those who are his people and those people are the people who are called by his name that he chose those who answer the call by the hearing of the gospel the gospel about his son Jesus Christ and that gospel is simply the death and his resurrection, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Is he Lord of your life? And if you truly believe that, if you have truly said yes, and you've made that commitment to say that I believe that Jesus is Lord, and that he has raised from the grave after being hung upon that cross, and that he is sitting on high at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for me every day and every night, and he's always listening, and he's always there when no one else is there. He is right there when the Lord is picking up the cell phone. He's right there. He's there. I don't know it's all news. Can't say we beat a dead horse, but it's the truth. Amen? But you have to be renewed. 
it is an important thing because if you're going to partake in the new heavens and the new earth, you have to be made new. And that requires a commitment. That requires conversion. So what is conversion? I think we all know what conversion is. But let's go ahead and get a textbook definition. Baker said, Baker's um, encyclopedia of the um, Bible says that conversion is a total change in one's direction in life or moral orientation. For Christians, this means a change from an orientation that does not take into account, take God into account to one in which the person is submitted to Christ. Conversion is the process of which repentance is the entrance and faith the new direction. The same Hebrew and Greek words may be translated either repentance or conversion. So we understand that conversion is when a person actually makes that commitment to submit to Christ. We know that man in this simple condition does not have the ability and also displays the outright refusal to conform to the standard of God, which is his holy law of the Torah. Amen? You cannot. Not without a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. But there are two sides to conversion. There's an active side of conversion. And there's a more of a passive side of conversion. The active side is when we hear the gospel. And we have that day you hear the gospel. And you, hear, you get up and you say, yes, I want to commit my life to Christ. Usually here when we have somebody stand up. When we make the altar call, they come down. And they want to give them their life to Christ. So they come up here and the pastor, you know, asking those, those three questions. Are you willing to serve the Lord all the days of your life? That's the first side of conversion. You actually making that commitment saying, yes, I want to submit to the Lord. But there's another side to it. Sometimes this side happens immediately. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all, unfortunately. We have many people who would say yes and commit themselves to what the Lord requires and want to enjoy the promises of the special grace that he has and the special promise that he has of eternal life, but we haven't fully made the commitment. But this passive side of it is purely God's work, and that work is called regeneration. So what is regeneration? Let's get another textbook answer for that. Same book, Baker and Peter the Bible, Regeneration. The inner cleansing and renewal of the human nature by the Holy Spirit. Amen, someone. It's the renewal of the inner self, the inner person. The human nature is now made no more, but now the human nature is now joined with, with God in a union that cries out, Abba, Father. Now that the man has been changed, only when this happens, that conversion is now complete. The sad thing is we have a lot of people out here walking around that claim to be and have said yes and made the commitment but that have not truly made the commitment and have not experienced what God does in their life is the renewal and the change of their inner man. Amen? Amen. So let me continue with that definition. There's more to it. Mankind's spiritual condition is transformed from a disposition of sin to one of a new relationship with God. Regeneration involves both moral restoration and the reception of new life. 
The idea of regeneration is expressed as rebirth or being born again. We learn that from John chapter 3 when Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. This new birth suggests that the newness of life in Christ. The process of regeneration is not brought about by human righteousness, but by the gracious act of God alone. This is only done by God. So it's important that once we have made our commitment to submit to Christ, that our commitment is true. Amen? Biblical accounts have shown us that many have made a commitment over history, but they weren't truly converted. And why does this happen? It's a mystery. One would say that, that maybe the person just said yes, just, you know, just to make a splash play in the church and have everybody, you know, up cheering and clapping and saying, wow, that's so great. Yeah, they're coming down again. They're finally giving their life to Christ. But then you don't see any fruit. Why is that? Or maybe people come down to just do it because they feel guilty that they're the only ones sitting here that they might not be saved, so they get up and do it. And um, then after a while, after all of the confetti is swept away, after all of the fanfare, there's no complete conversion. Why is that? It's a mystery of why it doesn't happen. We can't quite put our finger on it, but it happens. And we're going to get into a scripture today. I'm going to look at the Old Testament because regeneration is only used a couple of times in the New Testament. And it's difficult to find just one passage or a group of passages just to cover this subject. So we're going to go from the Old Testament and see what it is that God does with regeneration of his people. And not just the New Testament subject, but also Old Testament understanding. So we're going to get into that today. And our scripture that we'll be coming from is the book from the prophet Ezekiel. Coming from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 16 through 32. Let's minister Lord to come and read our scripture for today. Amen. The book of Ezekiel. Chapter 36 and verses 16 through 32. After Jeremiah and Lamentations, and before Daniel and Zechariah. for the way they lived and acted. 
I scattered them through foreign countries. Whenever, wherever they went, they brought disgrace on my holy name because people would say, these are the people of the Lord, but they had to leave his land. That made me concerned for my holy name since the Israelites brought disgrace on it wherever they went. Now then, I give Israel, now then, give Israelites the message that I, the sovereign Lord, have for them. What I am going to do is not for the sake of you Israelites, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have disgraced in every country where you have gone. When I demonstrate to the nations the holiness of my great name, the name you disgraced among them, then they will know that I am the Lord. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. I will use you to show the nations that I am holy. I will take you from every nation and country that, and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean from all the idols and everything else that has defiled you. I will give you a new heart and a new mind. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. I will put my spirit in you and will see it and will see to it that you follow my laws and keep all my commands I have given you. Then you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from everything that defiles you. I will command the grain to be plentiful so that, so that you will not have any more famines. I will increase the yield of your fruit trees and your fields so that there will be no more famines to disgrace you among the nations. You will remember your evil conduct, the wrongs you have committed, and you will be disgusted with yourselves because of your sins and your iniquities. Israel, I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake. I want you to feel the shame and disgrace of what you are doing. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Father God, help us today to understand the whole counsel of your word. I understand what it is that your man of God said to your people during their time and help us to understand what it means to us possibly today. Help us, Father God, to move forward and understand that we must be renewed, Father God. And this renewal, let us not confuse it just because you love us, Father God, because it's because you are a holy God. And you demand holiness and righteousness for your name first and foremost. Vindication of your holiness is first. And we're just so happy and thankful that we are in the plan. Help us, Father God, to understand this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know this is a, quite a bit. Some of it is a bit hard to swallow, but we must understand what is going on here. Now, right here in this scripture for Ezekiel. Israel had just come.
into exile. God's judgment was now finally complete among his people for their complete and total disobedience and disregard to conform to his standard. He always told them. He told them many, many times. And it took quite a long time. And we look at when he first spoke to them about it in Exodus, also in Deuteronomy, it's many, many, many centuries it took for God to finally come down on his people. He always told them this, I need you to change, I need you to change, change, turn and repent. So I do not have to bring judgment. And we see Israel's inability and also the outright refusal to conform. But why is that? Simple, because of sin nature. Sin nature. So the beginning of the scripture, it says, Son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land, that they defiled themselves with their conduct and actions, their behavior before me was like the menstrual impurity. Now we won't go into Leviticus about that, but what I will explain is that when a woman was on her monthly cycle, everything that she touched during that time became ritually unclean. And that's God's law. That's what he says. That's his standard. And it was to be followed. But he's using it as a metaphor right here to describe Israel's conduct. That everything about them was defiling. Everything. Everything about them was totally depraved. And he eventually tells them that they have to be changed. And they've done everything up under the sun, as cool as, you know, with murder and bloodshed. And the worship of idols is the worst thing you could do in accordance to God's law to another man is to shed his blood. Even in Genesis 9, God explained that a man will give an account to God for shedding his image. A man is the image of God, and for a man to shed another man's blood to murder him is sin. And it's outright sin, and it will be punished. Amen? So God dispersed Israel amongst all of the nations for all of the horrible things that they have done. So let us remember back. Why, 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 why did this happen? It's because that Israel entered into a covenant relationship with the Holy God. They entered into a covenant relationship with the Holy God and he has a demand for them to be righteous before him. Now, this demand happened in Exodus, and it's similar to what we do today when we say yes to submit to Jesus Christ. Listen to the scripture coming from Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 through 8. Feel free to write these scriptures down. You don't have to turn. Just write them down. It says in Exodus 19, it says, Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob. And explain to the Israelites, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although all the earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and sent them all these words that the Lord had commanded. Now here's the kicker. Then all the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has 
spoken. What do we see there? A commitment. They said yes. And why would they say yes? Man, look what they did for, for they parted the Red Sea and just put the 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 world power in this time in history to complete shame. Egypt was the world power of the time. Everyone knew about Egypt during this time. Egypt was the empire to be a part of. But God himself brought his people out of there and everyone across the world knew what this holy God, Yahweh, or the Lord, or Jehovah, as we said today, what he did for his people and toppling the kingdom like Egypt and turning it on his head and bringing them out and making his people a nation. Amen. They said yes. They entered into a covenant with the Holy God. Look at all the things they did. I know we look, we look at it. Today we read the law and we look like, man, they have to do all that. You have to do that. You have to bring something. I got to cut, cut animals every single day. I got to wash them. If I touch something dead, and I got I to gotta rinse myself. I got to make sure I cut, keep track of days when I'm unclean. And I got to make sure I, I get there to that day. Well, you got to realize what Israel came out of. When you someone rescues you from danger, the first thing sometimes we say, you know, you, you tell the person, you know, I owe you my life. What can I do to repay you? I owe you my life for saving me. See right here, you see a you see a a, a typology of God's salvation right here in Exodus. God saved Israel. He rescued them from danger. Slavery, beaten. Oh, it was hard for them. So he brings them out and sets them free. Of course they're going to say yes and commit. Some would say yes just because they come out and they're free now. And what God has to say, what God is going to set before them, sounds better than everything else they're done with. Some will say yes because they truly believe in the holy God and they truly want to commit themselves. Some just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, just go up and say yes, because they all say yes, so it sounds good to me. Hence the fact that when God, when, when Moses and the Lord were up there, when he was getting the tablets in Exodus, he came back down just to find that the Israelites rose early to play as he was up there on the mountain getting the holy covenant from God, only to come down and find his people down there having a party. Uh, it was basically freaking it down there. They were they were living it up. It's what we would call it regular today as sex, drugs, and entertainment. Everything was is anything goes. Moses broke the tablets. Israel wasted no time breaking the covenant. Why? Because of their inability. Some were faithful though. But we understand right now that Israel made a commitment to a holy God. So we understand that this commitment that they made, they have, to, they have to keep the law. They have to do, they have to keep their side of it. And which they continuously fail. They fail, they fail continuously. So God must do something. There's something God has to do. It's not that God's law has failed Israel, 
but it's that the people's inability, that sinful nature, has caused them to have to do something a little different, amen? Something new, like for a better word. So we go on in the scripture. It says, then I had concern for, he said, when, when they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said about them, these are the people of Yahweh. Yet they have to leave his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. That's a problem. And it's a problem that we have today also. If you think about it, the same thing was going on in the past with the nation of Israel that goes on today. We have those who call themselves by the Lord's name, Yet when we get out here, we don't act like it. Amen. And then what do people say? Well, maybe what, maybe what was Jesus not not good enough? Jesus not real? Maybe your maybe your God is not real. Maybe you're not saved. I don't know. People, we we have to realize when we are Christians and we're called by God's name that now we're under heavy scrutiny yes. by the entire world. Yes. Let them find out that you go to church. Let them find out you truly walk the walk and you talk the talk. You truly on the narrow road. Oh, everything you do and say and do, everything I okay, how you they watch you how you get out your car. Let you not do something right. Oh man, see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Look at it. But we do make mistakes. And we must be thankful that God has gone uh, an advocate in Christ Jesus for when we do uh, just so happen to drop the ball. Amen? Amen. It's just that we, this is, that's, the, that's the key, but we just so happen to. See, it's, not, it's not a thing we should be doing every day and be comfortable with. It. It's not something we should wake up every day and have our minds set on doing sinful and evil things. It should bother us. See, Israel at this point in time right here, they were committing sin and it wasn't bothering them. In fact, they had their own prophets prophesying, talking about something. Yeah, the Lord is going to make us prosperous. Yeah. Eat, drink, be merry. Enjoy yourself. The Lord's God, he doesn't see us up here worshiping these idols. He doesn't see me on Facebook making these posts. Posting scriptures, then the next thing you do, I'm, I'm posting curse words and cursing out family members, and, and I'm posting stuff about nakedness and stuff, and I'm posting things that are soft porn, and then I turn around and post, hey, won't he do it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now I'm going to post, turn around and post something that completely denies his name. What is wrong with that? You see it all the time. What can you do? Just pray. Sometimes you can't say nothing. Just pray. But it's a problem. See, this is the problem. Is you made a commitment. But you didn't make a true commitment. You said yes, but you didn't say yes for the right reason. 
to say yes for the right reason. It'd be better for it'd be better for someone to come to church and they leave all right with themselves. Have just you know I, I, I don't feel like it today. You know I'm just not I, I don't want to get saved today. I know I heard you preaching. You said tomorrow's not promised. I know I know I know tomorrow ain't promised, man. I know, but I'm hopefully I make it to tomorrow. Maybe you know the Lord is shaking me later on and I come on and get saved. That's better than someone coming up here saying, yes, I'm going to serve the Lord and turn around and don't do it. Just so the world can see. How dare you make his name look bad. That's what Israel, Israel did the same thing. Israel walked it out. Israel, this is, this is who they were. Who they were were were, were God's people. They knew the one true God. These were his people whom he chose. Everybody in the world knew who Israel was. And when Israel didn't act right, they're like, oh, look at y'all. Hmm. You know, you said you land in the land of milk and honey, huh? So why are you here? Oh, you belong to Jesus Christ, huh? Yeah. So what's up with that post you made yesterday? That wasn't Christ-like, was it? Ain't never read a Bible in their life that will call you on your Christianity. They will call you. Some of them are bold enough because guess what? Usually the one that call you or call me or call us on our Christianity is one who is seeking the Lord truly and they are disappointed by your actions. They're disappointed. And they will call you like, what are you doing? Same thing. Nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed. The devil was doing the same thing that he did in the garden. Made sin look good and made God's character look like it's something flawed. This a complete distortion of who God is in order to cause us to look elsewhere to satisfy ourselves. Mm -mm -mm. It's still happening. Old tools just repackaged. Old tools just repackaged. But I thank God for Jesus. That he has destroyed the power and the works of the devil. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's get down to it. We let us always understand this also. We'll read in verse 23. I will honor the holiness of my great name. Let's stop right there. Did God say that he is going to restore Israel because he loves them? Nope. That, 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 I just put one to turn on his head. This, you know, this, this, this little thing that's going around. Now it's going around. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. Yes, the scripture says that God is love. That's his nature. But first and foremost, God is a holy God. He's righteous. And he's going to be holy and righteous before he dispenses his love. He makes his promise to the people they commit. He has a requirement. He has a person. If you look at it, it's, it's always the same algorithm or the same pattern. God makes a promise. Let's use Abraham as an example. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he was called by God and God made what? A promise to him. And Abraham responded. 
It was a silent response. We didn't hear, we didn't really see that. Abraham said, yes, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and walk away from my entire family and everybody that I know and love, and I'm going to go to a land that you're talking about, and I'm hearing this voice. Oh, wow. That's something. But he called Abraham first. Abraham responded. There's the promise. Now, God also makes good on his promise in Genesis chapter 15. Because Abraham had an issue. And it was a very deep issue. The deep issue that Abraham had is that he had no heir. And that was serious during this time. He had no one to give his inheritance to. So God promised that he would give him an heir. And he promised it by making a cut covenant with himself. Genesis chapter 15. Let me turn to just a He said, then the, when Genesis 15 said, he said, Then the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who led you out of her in Babylonia to give you this land as your own. But Abraham asked, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that it will be mine? The Lord answered, Bring me a cow, a goat, and a ram, each of them three years old, and a dove and a pigeon. Abraham brought the animals to God, cut them in half, and placed the halves opposite each other in two rows but did not cut up the birds. Barges came down on the bodies, but Abraham drove them off. When the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and fear and terror came over him. The Lord said to him, Your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. They will be slaves there and will be treated cruelly for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and when they leave that foreign land, they will take great wealth with them. You yourself will live to a ripe old age, die in peace, and be buried. It will be four generations before your descendants come back here. Because I will not drive out the Amorites until they become so wicked that they must be punished. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch suddenly appeared and passed between the pieces. Now what is this saying here? It says that God made, there, made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I promise. He promised Abraham. And he said it in so many words. In order for these, for his people, his descendants, plural, he had to have an heir. And he promised them that heir. And God made a cut covenant with himself. And we had this explained to us before what is a cut covenant. A cut covenant is basically where all those animals that are cut up, the two people will walk down in between, they will hold hands. And whatever commitment that they made to each other, if they broke that commitment, they said, either one of us, since we made this commitment, if we break it, we will end up like these end animals that are cut. But who passed between the animals? God did. He ensured Abraham that his promise would not be broken. God made an oath and a promise and a covenant with himself. Since when does God break a promise and you're going to cut God up? He can't. It's not in his nature. It's not God's nature tonight. So there's a promise right there. There's a promise. Now we have Abraham's commitment in Genesis 17. I'm not going to read it. Genesis 17. Abraham makes the commitment and receives the covenant of circumcision. 
And this is an important word because this is how it's all going to tie in. Circumcision. You receive a cut of the foreskin of his male sex organ. Or, well, I'm not going to use the word we have children in here today. So, he received the cut of circumcision. Now, that circumcision is physical. That's a physical circumcision. And we move forward to Genesis 22. Now, it requires action now. God has called you. I made a covenant with you. I made a promise to you. Now, we're going to see a forward action. Now, the son that I promised you, I want you to offer him up today. Abraham never missed a beat. He, tied, he brought him on up the mountain. Even Isaac said, hey, so where is the sacrifice? And Lord Abraham said, the Lord will provide one. I'm going to paraphrase it. But we see that Abraham's action, what God required him, God required something from him after he made a promise and then Abraham made this commitment and now he's going forward. Amen? So we see what's going on, a promise, a commitment to being in the covenant with the Holy God, and now God's requirement. And Abraham didn't fail. He didn't fail, amen? So the same thing that's going on right here, right now, it's the same thing. God made a promise. What is the promise that God made? Is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And what does that require? I complete the total submission to God, and I commit the total submission to Christ Jesus is the saying of yes. In our entirety. Not a half yes. Not just uh, yes and then I'm going to get to it later. No, I need your full commitment. Because God is fully committed. He's fully committed. Amen? So God is going to protect his holy name. Because he made a promise that he is surely going to keep all the way up to now to the consummation of all things. He is keeping his promises. He's just waiting on those who are yet to say yes to come on and say it. But he's going to vindicate his holy name first and foremost. Not just because God is love. Not denying that he's love. But first, he has to be holy and righteous. So he has to destroy that sin, amen? He has to destroy, he has to get the sin out of the way in order to, to make the commitment that he is making in this new covenant in which we're about to get to. So let's move on down. Let's go on down. He said, I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Yahweh, or I am the Lord, the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you and their sight. It's God's work. Nothing that the Israelites could do. Nothing that we can do. It's purely God's work. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. And this is the meat of the scripture right here. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. So there had to be a cleansing. But this cleansing is also tied to regeneration. And it's a, it's a, it's a concept that's, that's not just right here. I'll read to you that this concept is also made known in Deuteronomy. Notice the pattern. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, the Lord says, Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Right there, the Lord asks for them to make a commitment to stop saying half. Yet don't commit to me halfway. Make a choice. You either gonna say yes, and if you ain't saying yes completely, then your answer is no, whether you said yes or not. Ain't no half, ain't no middle ground with this. Let's get that straight. You either in or y'all. Ain't no, oh, I'm just almost getting in there. Lord, the Lord wants you full commitment. Full commitment. There's no middle ground. So he's going to sprinkle this water. So we, we understand right here in Deuteronomy that he says, circumcise your hearts. He's directing the Israelites to make the commitment. You move on down to, to more close to the end of Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy verse 30, verse 6, the Lord your God will, will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. Oh man. You see that? Remember we talked about in the introduction that conversion is active, us making that full commitment, saying yes, and then that other side of conversion, the regeneration, is God's work. But it requires a full commitment first. You can't circumcise the heart of a, of a half-hearted believer. You can't do it. No. It's not going to happen. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Isn't that something? You see how the Lord's plan comes into play here? Not only is he speaking to Israel, he's speaking about everybody who are Abraham's spiritual children because of faith in Christ Jesus. The same commitment must be made in totality. And it's tied to understanding that we can't possibly love God, the first great commandment, unless we do this. We can't love God with half-hearted faith. We must love him. We must completely commit to God. And you will love him with all your heart and with all your soul so that you will live. Even Jeremiah the prophet even comes out. Let's bring Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what do you have to say about it? Chapter 4, verse 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, men of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. Otherwise, my wrath will break out like fire and burn with no one to extinguish it because of your evil deeds. Once again, right here, this is the Lord asking for them to commit. What else do you have to have to say, Jeremiah? Jeremiah 24, verse 7, I will give them a heart to know me that I am Yahweh. They will be my people and I will be their God because they will return to me with all their heart. Not some. Oh, because of the full commitment. It is important that we understand that. That the Lord is going to sprinkle you with water and make you clean. So we see how this, this circumcision of the heart ties into being made new. A circumcision of the heart is us making a sound commitment today that, Lord, I'm going to submit to you completely. We have to do this. It is important. 
Without that, we will not see him. Amen? We will not see him. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. Wow. There it is. You see the new covenant coming right now in the book of Ezekiel. We see it in Deuteronomy. We see it all throughout the Bible that we have to commit to the Lord. It is important. Jeremiah goes on to say, and for in chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant they broke even though I hadn't married them. The Lord's declaration, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. There's a new covenant. A new covenant where God is going to ensure that we can keep his statutes. Now how is that possible? Man in his sinful nature can't possibly conform. There's no way. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Let's move forward. What does Paul have to say? We're going to work our way right down the New Testament see what Paul has to say about this. Romans 2.29 Paul says, on the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and the circumcision is that word again. Circumcision is of the heart by the spirit not the letter. That man's praise is not from man but from God. The inward renewal of man that inward renewal cannot happen once again because we have not committed. If we don't commit, that inward renewal will not happen. Me and my personal experience after being baptized, I did not experience the regeneration till months later. It was months later that the Lord caught me up. And I just couldn't put the Bible down. In my personal experience, I couldn't put the Bible down. I'm working 12 hours a day. I would come home and I would sit up and read the Bible for, for three hours straight. I couldn't put it down. Something changed within me. Couldn't, couldn't just, I detested the things that I used to do. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I, I can't do that anymore. I can't do those things anymore. Faith, the conversion was now active. I made an active submission to Christ and then I carried it out. Similar to the pattern of Abraham. Abraham made a commitment after being called. A promise was made to him and he acted out his faith.
by God commanding him to offer up his son, Abraham followed through. Without question. See, these, some of these things you might you might have had this experience. You know, if you if, if you remember your conversion. If you remember the time when you had that change, you knew it right then and there. No, I can't look back. I can't go back to what I used to be. I can't go back to doing sin. I can't go back to reading porno magazine. I can't go back to looking at stuff on the internet. I can't go back to cursing like a sailor. I can't go back to these bad things. I just can't do it. It hurts me to do it. I can't do it no more. People they hang around and ask you, hey man, you having a drink with us today? No, I can't have a drink with you. I've been changed. Well, what you mean you've been changed? Man, go have a drink. No, I can't. Matter of fact, I can't even be here with y'all. I gotta go. Because I've been changed. I've been renewed. I can't go back. I've committed to Christ. And since I committed and I'm and I'm going about it the right way, I can't do it. But since God sees that I'm moving towards committed to him, and now I have the inability to do it, now here comes the Holy Spirit. Here's the full inward change. Here's the change. Here's the new self. For the whole world to see is scrutinized. The new self. This circumcision doesn't happen with hands. Paul goes on to say to the Colossians, the church of Colossae, he said, you were also circumcised in him and that's Christ, with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of the Messiah. It doesn't require you to clip anything. Nothing has to be clipped. What does it require? Yes. In totality. So that the impurities in our lives, our total depravity that we once lived in, is no more. Wash clean. David said it good in Psalm 51. He said, Purge me with hyssop. And if you wash me, I'll be white as snow. Come on, David. Somebody help me up here, man. Paul goes on to say in Titus chapter 3 he says this to Titus he says remind them to be submissive there's an S word again submissive to rulers and authorities to obey to be ready for every good work to slander no one to avoid fighting and to be kind always showing gentleness to all people you hear that? All people, not just who you feel like. And you say be selective. He said, gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in a malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Uh, we all used to live that life, detesting people just because of how they look or what race they are or what political party they come from. I can't be friends with you because you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. I don't like you. 
I can't be gentle to you at all. That's not Christ. That's not living out the gospel. That's not walking the narrow walk. That's that half yes. So you say yes, yeah, I believe, but I still, I still can't mess with y'all over there because uh, I don't like what y'all do. I don't like what you're about. No. That's not Christ. But when, kind, but the, when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but by according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs of the hope of eternal life. Instantaneous things that occur upon our conversion and our commitment in Christ is our justification, being declared righteous by God, and then regeneration. Sometimes regeneration comes down the line. Some may disagree. Some may think it happens right away. But me, myself, personally, I know it didn't happen right away for myself. But this is the key. It's to be renewed in Christ Jesus. No longer being this old person, this old despicable person that we used to be. Have you ever looked back at the things that you used to do and look back at yourself and say, ooh, I can't. Of Christ. Amen. 
Will I turn back? No. I pray for my mom. And I hope that one day that the Lord will grant her repentance. If she wants to have that conversation, we can have it. I love my mother, but we can't have, we can't coexist. Because she kicks and raises her heel up at the gospel. It's nothing I can do. I just gotta keep I gotta keep worshiping the Lord, and that's what I'm gonna keep doing. Amen. I'm gonna worship the Lord till there's no more breath in my body. And I hope that I can really worship with you every day. Like David said, Psalm 34. I'm gonna go right to Y'all know this song. <laughs> He says, I will always thank the Lord. I will never stop praising him. I will praise him for what he has done. May all who are oppressed listen and be glad. Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us praise his name together. Let us bless the Lord together, my brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those who have made the full commitment to give themselves over to Christ and have experienced the renewal and the washing of regeneration, have experienced the full conversion and then join the fruits of the effect of the Spirit and good works. The choice is yours. It's like the Lord told Israel in Deuteronomy, I sit before you blessing and curse. I sit before you life or death. Jesus also went on to say in Luke, repent or perish. Simple. What are you going to do? Are you going to commit and be renewed? Or are you going to remain in your totally depraved state? Only to let the deceptiveness of sin deceive you until his coming and you not make it. And his day is coming soon. Amen. So the choice is yours. Are you going to be sprinkled clean? Or not. That's my message. Praise the Lord. Are you ready to commit all of you? Because the only thing he wants is all of us. 
you know, our time, our money, all that, but, but really all we have to give is us. If you've never given yourself 100%, this is your chance. Anybody? All right, second call. Anybody wanting to join this fellowship, this household? Anybody wanting to be part of this family? You can come and join now, and you are welcome. Because it's good to be part of a family. Amen? Yes, it is. All right, then let us stand. I'm going to ask that we, we gather in the center. Let's hold hands as we prepare to dismiss. Because sometimes you just want to touch and agree because we're family, amen? So I, I want us to do it a little different, a little different. I want you to put your arm around the person next to you. Now just hold hands. This means we got to be close. shows that we're family, this shows that we love each other. Alright, let us bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Father, we commit 100% of ourselves to you. And we thank you for making us holy for your name's sake. For Father, we are blessed by you because you are holy. You are worthy. And we give you what you are due. Hallelujah, Father. You are worthy. Father, as we prepare to leave, we ask your blessings of your angels to go before us and to keep us safe. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen.